Um, welcome to everyone here. Welcome to everyone online. Great to have you all here. Um, where are Jordan and Caleb? There they are. We have a new baby in the house. Is Jane here? Yay! <laughs> hey. So baby Jane, congratulations to you guys. You guys look great, doing well. Wonderful to see the family of Hillside continuing to grow. A um, couple other announcements. We had our business meeting last week. Thank you to everyone who stuck around for that. It was a really good meeting. We approved the 2022 budget. I also announced um, that we paid off the mortgage. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so that is something we have been dreaming about, praying about for a while, and uh, we paid it off about six or eight months, six months early, which was very cool. So thank you. We had over $30,000 come in directly towards the mortgage, special gifts for that. So thank you all for your participation in that. Um, we also approved unanimously a new elder, Mr. David Eicher, is our latest elder. Hey. David has been kind of part of the elder team over the last year to, to 18 months, just joining us in our meetings, getting a feel for what it's like to be an elder, and getting a feel for him. And, and we're just very excited to have his leadership and wisdom, and Izzy's as well. So welcome, David and Izzy, to our leadership team. We're very grateful that you guys are taking on that mantle. Um, also, just want to let you know, prayer team is available after the service, so if you go next door to the coffee shop and go into the back room, the prayer team is available, so if you've got things that you would like to get prayed about, um, then please join them afterwards and uh, get on their prayer list. And then lastly, we are doing children's ministry, so right after this first worship set of music, kids can go out to the lobby and we'll get them in the right place for Sunday school. So, let's pray together and then we'll go into a time of worship. God, we just come before you this morning just excited to be in your presence, excited to be um, with the body um, in this congregation. We're grateful for this church, grateful for your just incredible provision for this church, especially over the last couple of years with the pandemic, Lord. We're so grateful for how you have just uh, provided for us and blessed us as a congregation. And we thank you for everyone that's here and everyone that's online. And just pray that this would be a wonderful time of worshiping you, glorifying you and growing in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Let's all stand together. I don't know about you, but um, <clears throat> there's times I have a sense of anticipation when it comes into... Uh, our times of worship and preaching our times together and this morning is one of those times where I just um, kind of excited to see what the Lord will do uh, individually in our hearts and that's something you know obviously I can't know what's going on in your heart and you know that kind of thing but I do think sometimes it's encouraging um, you know when you have a coach and someone's like, hey, go a little harder, work a little deeper, you know, get that last, whatever it is. You respond and you listen. And so part of that this morning is that personal challenge to you as we worship, how can we, how can we go a little deeper? And not just, <clears throat> man, it came early today, but how can we... Uh, <clears throat> 
we press in a little harder, you know, to what the Lord's doing individually in our hearts. And so let me just encourage you as we uh, get into worship, you know, oftentimes it takes us a song or two to kind of get past what the coffee tasted like, how good it was, and get past the bagels and who you just chatted with, who you want to talk to, and what does the day look like. For me, that's often, there's lots to sort through when you kind of quiet yourself. So I want to encourage you as we uh, jump into worship this morning, let's, let's jump into the throne room looking at his face, lifting his name up. Maybe let's close our eyes as we uh, start to sing the song.
life. Your name is hope inside me. Hope inside me. Your name is love. A love that always finds me. Always finds me. Your Be my song, Jesus. 
for our time together today. God, we pray that your anointing would be on Gus as he shares your word with us this morning. God, we pray your blessing on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. As the kids are being dismissed, why don't you all stand up and don't shake hands because I want everybody to feel uncomfortable. Just greet somebody, say hello, say you're glad to see you. So let's all get up for a minute. Hey, I, mean, you can hug I came to say hi to you. <laughs>
Okay, let me ask you to grab a seat. I gotta tell you, I miss that buzz. I just miss when we're not greeting each other. We haven't done that well enough here, so we're gonna try to do a little better job of that. Hey, have, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, turn to Galatians chapter three. We're gonna continue into our study. And um, I believe it was 1990. It was my first year of teaching at Colorado Christian University. And heard about a professor on campus that was really influencing kids, really well liked. So I decided I would go introduce myself to him. And being a new teacher, I figured I'd get a couple tips. I needed everything I could get in those days. And so I started talking to him and I said, you know, uh, how amazing God's grace was. I just brought up the topic. And as we were talking, I'm thinking, it's kind of odd. He, he wasn't responding like I guess I would expect him to. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just say it again. You know, just how God's grace is so amazing in our lives. And then it became pretty clear to me, he didn't believe in the grace of God. He had developed some type of uh, teaching that was kind of works-orientated, you know, just being a good person. He, he was in control of the do's and don'ts. As the years went by, and he remained a teacher for a number of years, he began to even bring in some really weird type of teaching, like God is in a rock, and speaking about we had to address God as Mother God, and started even questioning the characters in the Bible. You know, it seemed so foolish to me, but then it really was scary when I started to think he was influencing people. He was influencing students that were just buying into his stuff living under what we're going to talk a little bit more about, the curse of the law and some of the consequences when people try to live by their own strength rather than living under the spirit of grace. Um, a similar teaching was going on in Galatia. And they were buying in the same way. They were buying into the deception. They were bewitched. And it just started leading to all kinds of consequences. So let me ask you to bow your heads and let's ask God to bless his word today. Father, we just come to you and we're so grateful that you are so kind and so gracious to us that you take us where we're at, God, struggling people, and you just extend your grace over and over. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the true teacher today, that you would speak into our hearts, that we might just think differently, we might live differently in a world that so desperately needs Jesus. So we ask you to just bless your word, bless the words, um, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me remind you a little bit of what I spoke on last week. It's the importance to know the, the truth of the gospel. Because any distortions in it lead people astray, lead people away from God. Remember, we even talked about that question we've got to ask ourselves, are you living Pridefully by your own strength? Are you in control? Or, or is it really a dependence, more of a dependence on Jesus? This gospel of ours is based on the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. 
And it is a choice. You know, we, we look at that passage scripture and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We talk about that word believe, and the word in the Greek is pastuus. It means an ongoing trust and reliance on God. But, you know, immediately in that, that context, John 3.18 says, He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe is judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's a choice to believe or not to believe. And some people say, well, that's just temporary consequences. It's not true. God is a holy God. He's not just a God of love. In fact, John 3.36 basically says, if you don't obey, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, the wrath of God is upon you. There's consequences to sin. And that truth of the gospel is available to both Jew and Gentile who have faith like Abraham. Remember, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I spoke on justification to be made right with God. You know, when we put our faith in God, we, 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 have, we were enemies and then suddenly we're friends. We're made right. And before we ever do a thing, before we ever do a good work, uh, God blesses us like he blessed Abraham. We become part of God's family. We're going to speak more of that today. We're seen as holy and blameless in love in his sight. And then we've been given the great gift that's not just for now, but forever, the Holy Spirit to indwell his children. How amazing is that? The Judaizers, and this was a Jewish sect of Christians, were teaching a gospel contrary. And the, the word gospel just means good news. It wasn't good news at all. But they were teaching that to, to be saved, you needed to be doing the do's and don'ts. You needed to live by the law. And if you weren't, you wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't have salvation in Jesus. A lot of them were living foolishly under that teaching. Today, I just wanted to speak to you about sanctification. Sanctification is the living of faith every day. Living by the grace of God every day. And we cannot do it unless we're in submission to the spirit of grace. So we're going to speak about that. In our, our passage, Paul begins to address the curse of the law and consequences of trying to pridefully control one's life by do's and don'ts, by legalism. If you have your Bibles, verse 10 says this, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. And then verse 12, however, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them practices them shall live by them. You say, well, what was the purpose of the law? If you move down to verse 19, chapter 3, it says, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. It was to expose our sins. It was to show us we couldn't live out perfectly the law of God. And that's what he demands. To show us in our own abilities, we are unable to live out a perfect law. And if we don't, there's consequences to it. Really to be condemned and lost without Jesus. But look at verse 22. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. He said, here's the hope. But when you come to a point when you see you can't do anything, you're desperate, and you say, I need a Savior. 
to save me from my sin. And God saves you when you put your faith in Jesus. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul addresses this in chapter 3. He says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So this is the answer. You want to be right with God? It's about faith in Jesus. It's about recognizing that you sinned and you have a need for a Savior. So I, I think there's a legitimate question that comes up at that point. Well, then, if the Christian who's just trying to live by the works of the law, living the kind of this legalistic life, is he under condemnation? I say no. In fact, I say absolutely not. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What he's saying here is you will never be condemned for your sin again. When you put your faith and you have a belief and you're right with God, it doesn't matter how much your life struggles, you'll never be condemned for your sin. But there are consequences in our lives. And he said, what are those consequences? I would suggest some of those consequences are guilt, people just living by guilt all the time, or, or even hopelessness. In his book, Transforming Grace, Jerry Bridges speaks about the oughts of life, people who live by what they ought to do. He addresses that. He said, we have loaded down the gospel of grace of God in Christ Jesus with a lot of oughts. I ought to do this, I ought to do that. I, I ought to be more committed, more disciplined, more obedient. When we think or teach this way, we are substituting duty and obligation for a loving response to God's grace. We're living by guilt, is what he's really saying there. And somehow with guilt, we feel like we can pay back. You know, you know I'm guilty and I'm wrong, so guess what? I'm going to pay God back. Like somehow we can pay back for our salvation. That's a misunderstanding of the gospel. It's freely given. It's about him and his gift. We just receive it. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes so far as to say, when you start to live by the law, you start to fall from the grace of God. Look, look at chapter 5. It says this in verse 1 and following. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject yourself again to the yoke of slavery. He said, why would you go back to where you were when you've been freed from it? Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, Christ will not be of any benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified alone. You have fallen from grace. 
well, what is he really speaking about here? My understanding of this is because you're not connecting with the Lord, because you're not dependent on the Lord, and you're trying to do it on your own thing, guess what? You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have the freedom God wants you to have because you're going to be doing your own thing. Often, the self-imposed rules and regulations that people put on themselves, they start to put on other people. People lose their freedom to love others, and suddenly, they become a judge of others. They become really like the religious leaders at that time, the Pharisees. A number of students in the mid-90s became really critical of chapel. I became the chaplain of the university at that time. Uh, and they became really critical of me personally. Chapel wasn't biblical enough because we used guitars and drums, I think. <laughs> I don't know where that went, but that's where it went. And so they were going to decide they were going to have their own little chapel. So I had about 10 of them. They did their thing. It's really sad as I look back, and I, I remember a couple students, there was a whole group that was just some of the most awesome, fun people. And there were a couple students that were part of that group when they first came to the university. I remember just fun and so much joy in their lives. And they got under this teaching. And next thing you know, everything was serious. Everything was critical. Everything became judgmental. The sad thing is not only did it begin to impact the students, but I started to see other professors buying into this. See, this false teaching is easy to grab onto because I think deep down inside, we want to earn our salvation. We want to make it work. And that's opposed to the gospel. And many become bewitched because deep down, it's hard to receive this grace of God that is so profound. See, the Judaizers wanted to seduce the Galatians into a religion of legalistic works. While Paul wanted them to enjoy a relationship. A relationship that included love and faith and freedom in Christ Jesus. To live in the fullness of God's grace. If you read verse 11 in chapter 3, so now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. And this is a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2. In fact, in this immediate context, there's six Old Testament passages that are quoted because he's trying to state this. Faith has always been God's way. It was never by the law. He, he always wanted his people to live in dependence and trust in him, in worship of him. That's how God always had it. And Paul was arguing that there was no need to be under the curse of the law. Jesus redeemed us from it, having become a curse for us. Read verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. By the grace of Jesus, he redeemed us. That word redeemed here in the Greek means to purchase a slave with the purpose of setting them free. So, so we're in, in our salvation, we're, we're, under this, we're under the slavery of sin, and God says, no longer you're going to be that. You're going to be free to live and love me, to serve me. 
to understand that curse, let me just explain that a little bit. By bearing God's wrath for believers' sins on the cross, Christ took upon himself the curse pronounced on those who violated the law. So instead of us having condemnation and judgment, Jesus took it. Instead of us receiving the consequence, Jesus took it. He took the curse away. Why would we want to go back? Why do we want to live in that? And to live by God's grace, we need to, to really more fully understand and believe that we are part of God's family. That is our identity. Look at chapter 4. Verse 4 says this, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Papa, God. But we have this access to God as a father, as a daddy in, in heaven. That's unbelievable. Not only are we part of the family, we, we get to, to be connected to our Father in heaven. And again, in his book, Transforming Grace, uh, Jerry Bridges shares some thoughts. I, some of you have heard these over the years, but they're never, they're always just as good when I read them again to me. He <laughs> says, living by grace instead of by works means you are free from the performance treadmill. It means God has already given you an A when you deserved an F. He's already given you a full day's pay when you've only worked one hour. It means you don't have to perform certain spiritual disciplines to earn God's approval. Jesus Christ has already done that for you. You are loved and accepted by God through the merit of Jesus, and you are blessed by God through the merit of Jesus. Nothing you ever do will cause him to love you any more or any less. He loves you strictly by his grace given to you through Jesus the grace of salvation is the same grace by which we live the Christian life. Paul said this in Romans 5, 2. We have gained access into this faith by the grace in which we stand. We're not only justified by grace through faith, we stand every day by that same grace. The solution to the problem is not to add legalism to grace. Rather, the solution is to be so gripped by the magnificence and boundless generosity of God's grace that we respond out of gratitude rather than out of a sense of duty. There's a pastor at a Presbyterian church in Miami, Florida that said this, the problem isn't that we made the gospel too good. The problem is we haven't made the gospel good enough. Amen? It's all about grace. It's all about what God has done and continues to do. I said this last week. You know what the beauty of this is? He can take fragile, struggling vessels and do profound things if we trust him. He is not waiting for us to get our acts together. He's just waiting for us to depend on him with wherever we're at, wherever we're at. So you say, how do we live by that grace daily? That leads us to point three. God's purpose is for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Read verse 14 of our text. It says, In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit by faith. To live freely by God's grace, he's given us this, this gift of the Holy Spirit to help us, 
Let leave us alone. He says, listen, just depend all the time in everything. Just remember, our new faith began with the Spirit. Look again up at verses 2 and 3. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so feel foolish now, beginning with the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Remember, our faith is, is based on him bringing us to Jesus, initiating the relationship. This is for I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not only did he give us the Holy Spirit at the beginning of our relationship. Remember, I talked about this last week in the Greek there. It means a deposit. It's like a financial term. And what it means is it's a deposit that will last forever. It's in the bank, God's bank. He wants to help us throughout our whole life. But it's, it's faith that comes in there, beloved. If we don't live by faith, we will miss out on this freedom we're talking about. See, that's the choice we make. That's the ongoing trust. Paul also reminds the Galatians not to forget the miracles the Holy Spirit had done in their lives and the lives of others. Verse 5 says, Does he then who provides you with the Spirit and the works miracles among you do it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? Again, you say, what kind of miracles are we speaking about? He takes immoral people and makes them holy. That amazing. He takes people who are completely opposed to him and makes them his friend. And then says, I invite you into kingdom work by my grace. Maybe one of the greatest blessings, and I celebrated my 44th Christian birthday a couple weeks ago, is to watch the generational stuff. To watch generations of believers changing because God's Holy Spirit's work continues. See, once he starts to change a life, once a person starts becoming devoted, spirit-led, it changes everything. And generations of blessings come from it. And we are to live and walk by the Spirit daily. We're commanded to do that. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. He goes on to say this in verses 22 and following. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such thing, there's no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. In his book, Forgotten God, and I know the College Singles Group is going through this, and such a profound book, really speaks about the work of the Holy Spirit and how we in the church have kind of missed out on the work that he wants to do in our lives. He just has some, so many insightful things, but he says this in the book. He says, haven't you met those rare people who you can tell are daily keeping in step with the Spirit? Somehow they exude graciousness and peacefulness to the degree that it's not humanly possible 
Don't you want what's in their life? I mean, who really wants to be stressed out, angry, and selfish? <laughs> it's just not much fun for you or anybody who's around you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he says, look at the fruit of your own life and let it be a gauge for you of your own connectedness with the Spirit. Do you listen to the Holy Spirit? As you stand in line at the post office, perhaps he's asking you to begin a conversation with an elderly lady in front of you. Do you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you when you make your budget out? Perhaps he'll direct you to allocate monies differently than otherwise you would. Do you submit to the Holy Spirit as you spend time with your family? Often it's family members who are the most difficult to love. And we need the Spirit's help to love them well. These are just a few of the many, many areas of our lives we could submit to the Spirit's leading. Take some time to think about the areas of your life you tend to just do your own thing. Heedless of the Spirit's will and call. Living by the Spirit implies a habitual, continual, and active interaction with the Holy Spirit. I'd suggest it's an intimate relationship. You can't live without him if you want to really live. So let me ask you again, are you living under the curse and the consequences of legalism? Trying to earn your own salvation? Are you under the freedom of the Spirit of Grace? So how do these truths apply to our lives today? First of all, can I, can I just say this? You cannot walk with the Spirit if you're living in sin. Again, I'm not talking about that we don't sin. We're always going to, I mean, every day we're going to be struggling with, with sin. But what I'm saying is when you are choosing to disobey the truth, when you know it's wrong and you continue in it, that's in opposition to the Spirit. And again, the, his book, he speaks about just how those two are not compatible. He said, have you been stuck in the cycle of sin for a long time? Have you given up on the Holy Spirit and resigned yourself to thinking he doesn't work or doesn't have the power to bring freedom into your life anymore? If this is you, then maybe you've not internalized the reality that walking in the Spirit requires an action on your part. Because the fact is that if you are in step with the Holy Spirit, listening to him and obeying him, you're not going to sin. You know, what Galatians 5.16 says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. When you're walking in the Spirit... Sin will not be the choice you'll make. At any given moment, it is impossible to live by the power of the Spirit at the same time sinning. Sin is wholly opposed to everything that is of the Spirit. They are mutually exclusive and totally contrary to each other. So let me just say this. So if you are and you know, stop and confess. Ask forgiveness, repent, live, live in the freedom that God want you to have 1 John chapter 1 to say if we say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness he just wants to he just wants us to continue moving that, that is the beauty of it it's a moment by moment so if the one moment's really bad it can be right the next moment with the work of the spirit Second, our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, is a moment-by-moment -moment relationship. So you know what you, you have to continue to do is you, you need to 
keep checking your motives. You just got to keep them in, in check. What am I doing this for? Who am I doing it for? I can't tell you how many times I'm driving down the road and I stop and I realize I'm just completely self-centered, completely selfish. I mean, I'm just there. I mean, literally, I'll just say to the Lord, how can I be such a hypocrite? I often ask myself, am I manipulating people? Or am I ministering to them from the heart? Boy, those are challenging questions, aren't they? Because guess what? We can so easily do our own thing, can't we? King David had a beautiful prayer in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. What a, what a beautiful prayer. Just stop me before I do what I don't want to do. Lord, help me to love with the love that you've given. Help me to be that person that extends grace, the grace that you've given me in a world that needs grace. Before I do something that's going to hurt people. Final thought, to walk in the spirit of grace, you must live in the reality of your identity. That's so important. Again, remember what he said in chapter 4, you know, that, that now we've been redeemed. We're not under the law. We're, we're adopted by God. And we've become sons so we can speak to the Father intimately in the book of uh, Romans chapter 8. He speaks about this. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with them, so that we may also be glorified with him. Beloved, we're part of God's family when we put our faith in Jesus. We need to live more in that identity. Just ask for help. Just say, Holy Spirit, remind me of who I really am so I can live that out every day. Unfortunately, that teacher I mentioned earlier, he remained at the university for a number of years. I heard from other students over these years. They had siblings and other friends who have nothing to do with Jesus now who are under that teaching. Casualties to the faith. I've heard of others that just became completely critical, judgmental people. I mean, one of the saddest things is this influence I had on some of the teachers there at the time. There was a professor uh, who was an Old Testament scholar who had become a really good friend to me in my earliest days as a teacher there. This guy really encouraged me, challenged me, taught me. And he got under this teaching. He was bewitched. He passed away a few years ago. I, I just happened to catch it. There's some news on the internet or CCU something and said he had a memorial service. I went to the memorial service. He had left the university some years earlier, decided to just do secular work. I was at the service. I'm still not certain how long it was. It's about an hour to two hours. You know, Jesus was never mentioned once in that service. Not once. And my heart was so sad, thinking this guy who at one time was solid in the truth had been bewitched 
to this. And you know, it was really scary. So I'm sitting there and I walked into this thing and I was kind of on my own at that day. And, I, and, and there was a bunch of those teachers still together and students in a group. And I thought, oh my gosh, it just continues on. If we don't get a hold of this stuff now, folks, we can be there. We're not so far removed. Amen? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, if ever we need to hear truth, we ask you to help us understand your gospel clearly and truthfully now. And God, not only that we would know it, but we'd live it. We live by the power of the Holy Spirit, by that spirit of grace that directs us to care and love others, to live unselfishly. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at, but I know there's just days I, when I confess, it's so freeing, and I, I pray if some are just really struggling knowing they're there, they've been just trying to control their own lives, they just tell you, help, forgive. And Lord, the beauty with you is it just starts all over from one moment to the next. And Jesus, we are so grateful that you redeemed us from these lives that just live for ourselves to lives that can really matter. Help us to matter. Where we live in a day, Lord, we need you. We need your help more than we've ever needed it. Or maybe we've just recognized we need your help more than ever. We ask you to take your words and speak to our hearts in such a way that we just be more devoted to Jesus.
down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near, desperate Desperate for you, and I surrender and drench my soul. As mercy and grace unfold, a hunger and thirst, a hunger and thirst. With arms stretched wide, I know you hear my cry, speak to me.
my breathing, God in my waking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything. God in my hoping, there in my dreaming, God in my watching, God in my waiting, God in my laughing, there in my weeping, God in my hurting, God in my healing, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything. thank you for how you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for walking with us moment by moment. I let our mark be that fruit of the Spirit. Help us to carry you each, each part of our day. God, we just pray that this would be our prayer in everything we do, God, that you'd be there right with us. For those of us still chewing on things, God, I pray that you would be their hope. Sometimes sacrifice is a big thing. It's always a big thing. So God, as we go through life, we know it's not easy. There's lots of things to chew on. God, I pray that you lead us and guide us. 
surround us with the body to help make good choices. Thanks for this time with you. God, we just pray you'd be glorified here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. I don't think there's any other announcements. Be my everything.